Good morning. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You drifted off there at the end. Whether you're on Zoom or in person, it's really good to be with you. So Easter is not just a Sunday in the life of our church. It is a season in which we seek to live into the joy of our risen Lord. This morning we're going to look together at two passages mainly. The resurrection story in John chapter 20 and Paul's words in Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 11. John in 20 is in a way uh, is a lived version of what is written in Romans chapter 8. So each of them casts light on the other. Now John 20 of course is a resurrection story. The risen Christ appears to his frightened and slow to believe disciples. And Romans 8 is like an extended Easter acclamation. No more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Paul is applying to us the news of Easter. Christ died, but he rose, and he's filling you with his life. We're going to ask two questions of these passages. One, who are we? And two, how do we change? The first question, who are we? You know, on the whole, we struggle to name who we are. Are we good? Or are we bad? And if it's somewhere in between, how exactly does the percentage break down? Our own internal rating systems, are, they change based on how a day goes or what time of day it is. Just think about it. The way that you think about yourself as the day goes by and the way that shifts. The Bible's read of us is on the one, on the one hand, it's more complex, which makes sense considering how complicated we all are. But on the other hand, it doesn't change nearly as much as our own definitions of ourselves change. The Bible's more consistent. Again, Romans 8 begins with this announcement of victory. There's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Condemnation means a guilty verdict and a worthy punishment to go with it. In other words, prior to Christ, there was condemnation. We were condemned. We were guilty and we lived under a sentence. But in Christ, there's no condemnation at all. We're absolutely free from the guilt and the sentence that went along with it. Why this massive shift? What's happened? Why were we condemned? And what has created the new freedom from condemnation? The next verse, Paul says, The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Now John 20 I think gives us two pictures of life still lived under condemnation. The first picture is of all the disciples. They've heard the news that Jesus has risen from the dead. But they're all locked in a room together because they're afraid of men. In this case of the Jews. Now I, I want you to think with me. What would the rest of life have been like for this group of men if Jesus had not risen from the dead, appeared to them, 
and told them to get out from behind these locked doors and go do something with their lives. What would life have been like? Personally, I don't think they ever would have taken another risk again. Never would have rocked the boat of life again, even if they should. They would have kept quiet and tried not to attract any attention to themselves. The locked doors, which, by the way, I hope you noticed are mentioned twice in these stories, are a picture of their entire lives. They experience guilt and condemnation before God. Don't forget, most of them had abandoned Jesus at his last hour, and they still aren't sure how that's going to pan out for them. And they also experience condemnation before man, the Jews of whom they're fearful of their lives. They are boxed in with condemnation, and they need to be set free. A second picture of condemnation is Thomas. You know, we like Thomas because he's slow to believe like many of us are. But sometimes beneath doubt is hidden a stubborn resistance to faith. Thomas was not present the first time Jesus appeared. The disciples tell him, it's true, Thomas, but he's adamant in his refusal. Listen again to what he says. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Notice those last few words. I will never believe. At least for the time being, Thomas defines his whole life negatively. His entire life is going to be based on what he refuses to do. He defines himself through unbelief. Now put this picture in the context of Romans chapter 8. This is far from a spirit of life that sets a person free. It's more like a law of sin and death, a mind that is set on the flesh. And as Romans 8 says, a mind that is set on the flesh cannot please God. These are two unique pictures of condemnation. One is passive in the form of paralyzed guilt and fear. And the other is more active in the form of adamant unbelief. And this is the way it is with life under condemnation. It can be passive. A life that's spent making decisions based on what happens to you. Or it can be active. Active resistance to faith. But both the passive path and the active path are roads to sin and death. Condemnation stands for the general lostness that all of humanity experiences in their estrangement from God. We've all detected a sense of condemnation in our lives at some point. And some of us could be experiencing it right now. Much of what Paul says about condemnation has to do with the issue of law, which law was ubiquitous in the lives of Jewish people. They had a law that guided them in every area of life, civil, social, spiritual, and Paul says that even though law is good, by itself, all it does is increase the sin. Now, us today, our culture, our time, as modern people, we take pride in being free from all these kinds of pervasive constrictions, constrictions on our lives. 
We pride ourselves in breaking free from social and spiritual boundaries. But the ruse isn't working. There are laws that are imprinted on our souls that we can't completely stamp out. We all know it. And here's the other part of this. None of us completely live up to the standards. There is an inevitable inadequacy in every single one of us. Even as we try to escape laws, we consistently sense that we're not living up to something. We live with an awareness, however vague it may be, of condemnation. Who are we? As negative as it sounds, we are condemned. But both of these passages are ultimately passages of victory, aren't they? They don't end in condemnation. And so to the second question, how do we change? Most people cannot go on living life under an ongoing awareness of condemnation. It's suffocating. It's like trying to live underwater. You have to find a way to breathe. So what do we do? Here's what I think happens for a lot of us today. A lot of people today. We can look inside ourselves, even though we feel condemned, and we see the roots of something good and beautiful. And we have this survival instinct as human beings. And we want to salvage these parts of ourselves that seem so good. And we think the only way to do that is to make much of those things as if they're everything. So we're hearing a lot today about the goodness within. Sometimes we even hear about the God within. Our own goodness is made into a form of salvation. And we're to spend our lives getting in touch with this deeper part of ourselves that is so good. But there's a shallowness and a pride in this. There's an unwillingness to acknowledge the darkness that is also inside of us. What if we made much more of that? Most importantly... There's an unwillingness to acknowledge the need for something that's bigger than us and something that's outside of us. As one person has said, it's not from ourselves that we will learn to be better than we are. It is not from ourselves that we will learn to be better than we are. I want to speak to one more reaction that we sometimes have to our sense of condemnation. Some of us get stuck in it. We take on this view of ourselves of being condemned and we begin to believe that this is all we can ever be. The enemy uses this. He twists it to send us on a downward spiral into all sorts of dark places. Depression, self-hatred, self-harm, on and on. And I want to say to you very clearly, if this is you, that is the enemy. It is not God. That is not the way God speaks of your condemnation. How do we change? Both of these passages tell us that we change through the power of God's Spirit. We are condemned because of sin. It's true. Because of the way our fallen flesh responds to God and His law. This is our inevitable inadequacy. But while sin condemns us, Christ has become a man. He has taken on flesh. And the sinless one died a criminal's death. 
he took on the condemnation of a criminal. And this is where we get the important Christian belief that Jesus died as a substitute for us. We deserve the condemnation of a criminal, but he took it instead. Sin condemns and it kills us, but in Christ, it's as if God was able to corner sin. And then through Jesus, he destroyed its power. Jesus established this victory over sin and death in his resurrection. And he sends the Spirit to free us from our inevitable inadequacies and to lead us into the eternal kind of life, even in the present. We're not doomed to all these inadequacies because of the power of his Spirit. Not because of our own power, but because of his power. No more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul says. Free in Christ. The good news of Easter is not merely that we will live with God forever one day. It's that we're set free from sin and condemnation now. And can live by the Spirit of Christ now. Now John 20, as much as it gives us a picture of condemnation, it also gives us a picture of this freedom. Remember those locked doors of the room where the disciples were. Remember, it's mentioned twice. They're a picture of their entire lives. The disciples do not even appear to have the ability to open those locked doors on their own. But twice, Jesus penetrates the locked doors. Twice, Jesus appears in the midst of the room and announces peace into their condemnation. Did you hear what Romans 8 said too? The spirit of life, he brings life and peace. And this is exactly what Christ speaks to these fearful and condemned disciples. Peace. It's my peace I give you. There's an especially fun part of this passage to me. Thomas said that he was going to need to put his hands into the marks of the nails if he was going to believe. Here's the funny part. Once Jesus actually offers that, Thomas seems to forget all about it. He exclaims with more faith than any other disciple, my Lord and my God. So I want to say to those of you who struggle with doubt, Maybe it's not just doubt. Maybe you are stubbornly resisting belief. God wants to invite you into the deepest kinds of faith that you can ever imagine. You are the one that God wants to convert your soul into faith in him and his resurrection power, his death and his life on your behalf. Jesus tells these disciples that he's going to send them out. In other words, he's going to unbolt these doors and he's going to send them out. He breathes on them, which is an image that comes from the very beginning of creation. Before sin and condemnation were even a part of the human conversation. They weren't words in our vocabulary at that point. God put his life-giving breath in man in the beginning. And then he gave him work to do. Do you know what the word spirit also means? Breath. 
Christ is remaking us through the power of his own spirit. The spirit that raised him from the dead. He breathes out on us. He's taking away our condemnation. And he's restoring us as his image bearers. To do his work in the world. To do the things that he's calling us to do. In our vocations and our families. Not to be doomed to the inevitable inadequacies of human beings. But to be raised up. Empowered by him. How do we live into this? Well, I was struck, even as Melissa was reading the passage from Isaiah again. That the passage says that when our attentions are turned to the Lord, He gives us His peace. He who focuses on me, He he gives us His peace, He says. We have to stop focusing And living into our inevitable inadequacies. We have to stop giving them the attention that they often try to take from us. Instead, we receive God's forgiveness for those things. We receive that God has taken away our condemnation. We take joy in the fact that condemnation is gone. That's not our sentence anymore. And instead, we focus on the adequacy of God's spirit. We are weak, it's true, but he is powerful and he's promising to give himself to us. So which are you focusing on the most in your life? Yourself? The ways that you feel doomed to be what you've always been? Or the power of God's life-giving spirit? Are you living into those inadequacies? Or are you living by the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead? He is the only God, the only goodness that can live fully inside of you and bring you life. So I hope that you know at the very base of who you are, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now I'd ask you once again, if you'll join me in this Easter acclamation. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Alleluia.